Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again to hop in that black and gold DeLorean and go back in time to Steelers yesteryear, one of my favorite things to do. I am Brian Anthony Davis from Behind the Steel Curtain, and why is it one of my favorite things to do? Because I get to set adrift on memory bliss with my good friend Tony Defio, who is roughly the same age as I am, and we have grown up. We probably grew up about 90 miles apart, but we grew up loving the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 80s and the 90s, and we share all this nostalgia together. Tony, how are you, my friend, today? I am great, Brian. And you could say we're the same age. When I was born, you couldn't, you couldn't beat me up. We were, just, we were the same age. You were only, what, five months old? Yeah, we're the same age. <laughs> I I'm, would... I'm looking forward to this, this uh, awesome, another awesome uh, trip down memory lane with you today. I still can't beat you up, Tony. Plus, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I had, I had a, a boss of mine who's a huge Steeler fan, one of my best friends ever. His name's Mike. And Mike would always say, you know, I'm going to kill you. I, one of these days, I'm just going to kill you. And I said, or I'm going to punch you in the face. And because I'd frustrate him like crazy. And I'd be like, right. I'm like, man, you would cry if you had to punch me. He goes, yeah, I, I would. You're right. <laughs> so that would hurt me to hurt you, Tony. So I would never beat you up. But I'm glad to hear that. Let's not beat ourselves up anymore. And I want to mention Jeff Hartman last week. He was like, how could you do the Cleveland game in the snow from 2002 and not go to the very next week to the playoff game, the divisional game against Tennessee? I'm like, because they lost and we covered it really fast and we didn't want to. <laughs> we I, want I to no celebrate. Idea. I have no idea what game you're talking about, Brian. I, I, I had Will Smith and... and... Tommy Lee Jones erased that from my memory. I have no idea what you mean. Sorry, Jeff. I love it. That's a uh, denial is just not a river in Egypt, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. So I'm going to steal a little bit from ESPN's 30 for 30 series, Tony. And I'm going to ask you this question. What if I told you that there was once a time when the Pittsburgh Steelers could and would actually beat the New England Patriots twice in the same season the first happened in one of my favorite regular season games in Steeler viewing history it was 1997 so with that being said Tony let's set the DeLorean's time circuits back to a time when radio stations were blaring tub thumping by Chumbawamba do you remember that Tony do I ever I think I've heard that at weddings ever since yes I get knocked down and I get yes. up again, and you're never going <laughs> to keep me down. Sing it with me, Tony. <laughs> I know you're not going uh, to. Well, no, I, my, I, was, I heard that song on the radio for six months before I realized what the, uh, the refrain was, bleep in the night away. I didn't know that's what they were saying. <laughs> well, that, that's just drinking. Cause, you know, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean. I thought they were saying seeds, something else. You know, they're just talking about drinking is really what Oh, okay. Audiences were gearing up. They were a mere five or six days away from Titanic, the epic Leonardo DiCaprio, James Cameron, and Kate Winslet collaboration that I saw twice. (laughs) And Bill Clinton was president, and his secret of White House debauchery was just about barely being kept quiet, and it was getting ready to bubble to the surface right about then we are talking about december 13th of 1997 
uh, less than two weeks before Christmas. It was awesome time. You know, I was getting ready at that time too, on that very same day, I was putting up my Christmas tree and I was getting ready for a date with a woman that I was really excited about going out with. And this game happened first and as excited as I was for the date, I couldn't get ready because this game was captivating me. And it was a very important one because the Steelers really, really needed a win and they needed to stay ahead of Jacksonville who were hot on their tails. Um, what do you remember about this time and leading up to this game, Tony Defio? I remember that, as you said, Jacksonville just became, they, they came, it became a team in 1995 and they almost as quickly became the Steelers top rival in the a old AFC central. And as you said, they needed every last win in 1997 to, 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 to win the division and, and, and get a home game. And, and more importantly, or, or just as importantly, they needed the, they needed to win this game to get a buy. I mean, that's, that's what this was, this was for the division for them and for the buy in the AFC with uh, new England, they were fighting new, new England for that number two seed. So it was, uh, it had uh, plenty of, uh, of layers of, uh, of, of importance. So they were 10 and four going into this game and the Denver Broncos, they had just beaten at home in a thrilling win. It was uh, not thrilling. I mean, they beat them by two touchdowns at the end, but it was, uh, it was a huge win for them because they were not expected to win that game. Denver actually uh, became the Super Bowl champions that year. Um, not to give anything away, but spoiler alert, if you don't <laughs> know. Um, New England was nine and five. They really needed to needed this game to get into the playoffs and that buy was a huge thing. Um, Steelers really needed to get this game and it didn't start off uh, that well for either teams. Tony um, game started off with both teams defenses, both teams defenses were really impressive. Um, the Steelers of course had LaVon Kirkland um, leading the way, probably one of the mainstays of that team. Cornell Lake was still on that team as well. Tony, what do you remember about the Steelers' defense back then? I remember it was much like the the previous uh, years under uh, Cower. That playoff run, it was it was opportunistic. It got they got after the quarterback. I think Greg Lloyd was was he was battling injuries this year during this time, but but they they had uh, Jason Gilden was just coming into his own, and obviously you you mentioned you mentioned uh, uh, Kirkland and, and Carnell Lake was an, was an All Pro player in the secondary, and and Joel Steed. They mentioned yeah. during the broadcast, Joel Steed, the, the nose tackle, that he made his first uh, Pro Bowl that year. They announced the uh, the Pro Bowl selections leading up to that game, and and Bill Cower, the coach, he he saved Joel Steed's uh, selection for last, and the whole locker room erupted. They just that's how much they loved that guy. That's one of our. He went to three Pro Bowls. He ended up yeah. going to three for the Steelers, but he is still an underrated Steeler because not a lot of people realize how huge of a player he was for that team. He was a, mm -hmm. he was the nose tackle. Um, he probably, if there was no Casey Hampton, he might be one of the greatest nose tackles in Pittsburgh Steeler history, but people just don't think about him. And right. uh, they think about, they, they think about Casey big snack instead, but he was, he was actually spectacular and he was really good in this game. The New England defense was really tough in this game too. Um, Ted Johnson, 
Chris Slade. I don't know if anybody remember. People don't remember Chris Slade as much because they remember the guys like Brewski and Willie McGinnis. Mm-hmm. And w- Willie McGinnis was in this game as well. Um, right. This was a team that came off of the. Uh, they came off of a, a Super Bowl appearance the year before, and they lost to the uh, the Green Bay Packers, and they were looking to get back in. They had a Drew Bledsoe at quarterback, but a very talented team here. And not just the fact that uh, that they were talented, but they just beat up Pittsburgh 11 months earlier in January in the fog, 28 to three, the Mike Tomzak led Steelers in the, uh, in the playoffs. And it was just a disaster for the Steelers. And so Playing in New England has never been easy for the Steelers, and this one wasn't going to be easy at all. And both defenses really were flexing their muscles early, Tony. After five combined punts and a lawyer Malloy interception of Cordell Stewart set the Pats up at the Pittsburgh 27-yard line, and the first chance to really score was in the second quarter. And that's when Drew Bledsoe hit his stud tight end and Ben Coates. If you don't remember Ben Coates, he was a stud. He had five or six plus years of 50 plus receptions. He was a great tight end back then. Um, On the third play of that drive, an 18 yard touchdown. What do you remember about that early? All those interceptions, Stewart threw two interceptions in a row. It was just, uh, it was just rough. Yeah, that was his first year as the Steelers starting quarterback. And he had a, he had, it was an up and down, it was an exciting year for him, but it was, it was up and down. Usually the down part was in the first half when he threw uh, the majority of his picks and turned the ball over and, and the Steelers got behind a lot that year, but he, he rebounded in the second half, but, but in most of those games, but, you know, as you said, he was picked off by Laurie Malloy and, and, and a few plays later, and and we mentioned Levon Kirkland on the touchdown. Well, it was Ben. Uh, it was that's who Ben Coates beat. They were they were, he was covering him, and and Ben Coates kind of pushed off. But but in like a veteran, you can't you can't detect this kind of way. And he was wide open, and 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 he scored scored the first touchdown of the game to make it seven nothing. You know, it's funny the broadcast team, Tony. They were uh, they were laughing that Ben Coates went to the uh, Michael Irvin school of mm-hmm. pushing off. And right. uh, how good he was at it. And he was very good at it and did push off and got that score after Stewart was picked off again by Willie Clay. Um, this time, Lawyer Malloy was the first interception when Willie Clay picked him off. Bledsoe struck again. Sam Gash on a one-yard pass. Sam Gash from, you remember what college? I do not. Penn State <laughs> University. Oh, uh, Okay. Just like that, Tony, it's 14 nothing New England. You know, the uh, snows, uh, the snow flurries are coming down. And uh, I, my hopes uh, are just dashed. I'm like, all right, looks like I'm going to get to this date early. Um, what, were, what were you thinking at that time, Tony? Well, I was at, I was at work at that time. I was working as a, as a stock clerk while I was in school at that, at that point in my life. And, and we, we were watching it in the back room with my, my two bosses, believe it or not. So they were pretty lenient. They love the Steelers. And uh, I remember thinking it was kind of like the divisional round play. It was a continuation of that divisional round playoff game from a year earlier when they lost 28 to three. And I was watching that game in the back room of that 
store, the stock uh, room of that store with my boss. So it was like deja vu. And I figured it was more of the same. And it was going to be another long, long night in, in, at Foxborough for the Steelers. This is 12 days before Christmas, Tony. Shouldn't you guys yeah. be out on the floor working hard? Uh, we should have been. I don't know. I don't know what we were doing, but but we we were certainly uh, riveted to that or paying attention to that game instead of being out on the floor. Maybe we had more help because it was twelve days before Christmas. Maybe maybe my bosses had more people on the schedule. I hear you. I'm just playing with you. Um, Steelers were still unable to get started. Uh, Josh Miller had a punt again uh, for the Steelers after the home team had their drive end with a Tom Tupa punt. Remember Tom Tupa? Yeah, the uh, dual uh, punter quarterback. Yeah, he uh, played for the Cardinals as well for a long time. We've been in the league a long time. After that, the Steelers got the ball back with 3.57 remaining in the half. That's when Cordell Stewart got it going with a 12-play, 72-yard drive and a one-yard plunge, which he had so many. At this point, that was his 11th rushing touchdown of the year. He had so many that year. Um he never reset the record but uh, at that point, but he was just amazing with his legs as well that uh, made up for some of the deficiencies of his passing. Um, at the half, the black and gold were down 14 to 7 and set to get the ball back to start the third quarter, Tony. Um, so when Cordell plunges in from one yard out, are you and your boss feeling a little bit better here? I, actually, I was on my way home from work by then. But so, I remember, I remember hearing the 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 the, the touchdown on the radio and pre- being pretty excited about it. But watch rewatching the telecast uh, the other day, uh, I noticed that he was he really struggled with his with his accuracy up until that point. And then he had a, a 14 yard run on third and five, and that seemed to get him going. It seemed to get him back into rhythm. His 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 passing really picked passing his accuracy picked up uh, through the remainder of that drive. You know, through the the uh, touchdown. So I think that. That 14-yard run was, was key on that drive for him to, to, to get his head back into the game and, 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 and to get some confidence. Yeah, that confidence was a huge key, and that's something that uh, Cordell was very adept at. Um, when he ran the ball, he seemed to uh, feel more like a Superman, um, and it really showed. Now, you mentioned something earlier, and what you said was the fact that the Steelers, Cordell Stewart, had a really rough time in the first half of ball games and in the second mm-hmm. half. And I believe the broadcast team had in a stat that they were, he was about 40% in the first half of all games in 1997 and over 60% passing a completion percentage in the second half. So uh, he would really get it going in the second half. And that was the hope here, Tony. So what we're going to do is we are going to go ahead and take a break and we will be right back and get back into this thrilling game from 1997 on the Steelers Retro Show from behind the steel curtain. back to the Steelers Retro Show. I'm Brian Anthony Davis alongside Tony Defio. And Tony, we are back to the year. What year are we in? We are in year 1997 when I was a very big Friends fanatic 
as well as a Steelers fan, of course. You were on a break. <laughs> I was on a, oh, yes, yes. That was one of my favorite story arcs. My, my kids I, are, uh, my kids are uh, watching Friends on, uh, on Hulu or whatever it's on right now on a TBS app and, and what have you. And, and they love it. And my daughter, who's 11 years old, is wearing all kinds of Friends stuff. <laughs> uh, that's really coming back. And I, I remember that was actually my favorite season because there was a, a big arc with uh, Chandler and, and Joey and fighting over a girl. And uh, it was good times. Great show. Great oh, series. Yeah. Um, one of the best. I remember watching that actually from the beginning. So let's get back into this ball game, Tony. Um, you know, you were watching Friends on Thursday night and then on Saturday night, you're getting ready to uh, – what, what were you going to do on that Saturday night after the game? Because I was getting ready for a date. Well, I, I don't remember doing much of anything after that, but, but I, there was a, a woman in school that I, uh, I soon asked out after that, get right at, a couple of days after that game, and we dated for a few months. So I, I, maybe I had her on my mind. Maybe I was <laughs> rehearsing in the mirror after the game how to, how to ask this woman out. So that's, that's well, all I remember from that, from that night. Well, as Cordell was trying to get his confidence back up, uh, Tony and I were, cause, uh, we both had, uh, women on our mind too, but the Patriots were on our mind first as the Steelers needed to win this game to uh, really get that first round by. So this was a big deal. So the third quarter was fairly uneventful. Um, Norm Johnson had a 36 yard field goal. Norm was great that year. Tony, um, Darren Perry had a pick of Bledsoe that saw the Steelers set up shop at the Patriots 45 and that drive stretched all the way into the fourth quarter where Johnson again finished it off with 1255 remaining in the game with a 34 yard field goal going right through the uprights. The Steelers lead was now, excuse me, the new England lead was now only one Tony. So uh, yeah. there's 1255 left in the game, but new England just would not go away and that defense would not let up. Yeah, they, uh, they, that, that rhythm that Cordell had at the end of the first half, he kind of lost it by the fourth quarter. That, that defense was just relentless. And, and uh, as, you're about, as you're about to find out, the, the Patriots, their, their lead kind of expanded. And it didn't, it didn't look so good there heading into, the, uh, heading into the end of the fourth quarter. Very next drive. So they cut the lead to one. Next thing you know, instead of 14-13, quickly – the Patriots take the lead. Bledsoe wasted very little time. He found uh, little David Maggot on a desperate heave that it looked to be an errant throw. It, it was ugly, but Maggot reacted. He adjusted. He leapt to snag the ball. Then he went 49 yards for a score and a 21 to 13 lead. It was looking bleak at this point, Tony. Comebacks yeah. were not as easy as they are in the last couple minutes back then as they are now. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially with a, even though Cordell was, was exciting uh, and he was, a, he was certainly a weapon. They called him slash for a reason. Uh, but, but Cower was, you know, he, he relied on the run. He loved the run. Jerome Bettis had 1600 rushing yards that year. He was, he was a workhorse. He had 3000 yards over his first two years here. So they weren't, they, they did have their, their share of comebacks that year, but, Trying to trying to come back in that era, as you said, was wasn't easy, and, and it didn't look so. The, the way the offense kind of sputtered 
uh, late in, into the into the second half, it didn't it didn't look so good being down by eight points. Yeah, down by eight points. The next two drives were fruitless. Uh, they failed. Cordell Smith, Cordell Stewart missed Courtney Hawkins on a fourth and six on the New England thirty six yard line. Then they had a punt again. Josh Miller punted the ball away with three thirty three remaining. So you know, two times that right. uh, they uh, they weren't able to. Uh, capitalized they were still down by eight the game just seemed lost so here comes drew bledsoe he's about to he's going to attempt to drain this clock and he's quickly hit troy brown for 13 yards on a crucial third and long so it's third and long he hits brown from marshall and mm-hmm. uh steelers had to start using their time timeouts tony um this game was all but over after two short gains though by uh, mario greer Bill Cower called his final timeout with Pete Carroll's teams facing a third and seven from the 50-yard line. And this was 10 seconds before the two-minute warning. Right. What happened now? Well, at that point, if you're, if you're the Patriots, and me, what I remember thinking at the time, well, even if they don't pick up this first down, they're going to punt it away and Pittsburgh's going to have to drive maybe 90-plus yards, depending on how the punt went, to, to, to tie, even have a chance to tie the game. But uh, Kevin Henry, one of our unsung heroes from our, pre- our previous shows, retro shows, he, he read a, a, a quick little screen pass and, and uh, intercepted it and, and took it down the field and, and lateraled it to Orpheus Roy, who was, who was the pre-Brett Kiesel in the way he went down field and, on, on special teams, the, the big uh, menacing guy. And uh, it probably should have been a touchdown. It looked like it was a, a legal uh, lateral, but they, they – the Steelers, the Steelers were in, in business by that point. Did you watch that over and over the other day like I did, uh, yes. Tony? It, it looked like it, w- it was a touchdown. P- put it this way. It was more of a lateral than the miracle at, uh, what's it called? The, um, the Motor- Music City Miracle. Music City. No. Oh, gosh. That was a definitely a, I'm, I'm going to get on a rant, but that was definitely a forward pass. Whereas <laughs> this one was clearly a lateral and, they, and whatever. There was, replay didn't exist at that point. They, they were in between replay era so they couldn't re- they couldn't review it well and also the fact that uh we're not angry buffalo fans so that's a good thing exactly um, this was a, the equivalent of a christmas miracle 12 days early the uh they flushed bledsoe out of the pocket the defense did a great job and he threw the he threw across his body in the flat to maggot if maggot snags it it's all over but right. uh keevan henry who has a very famous cousin if you like professional wrestling tony yeah, Martin. I learned that. I learned that from you. I didn't realize that they were they were were cousins. That's a pretty uh, pretty uh, famous uh, relative to have. WWE Hall of Famer uh, Mark Henry. Yeah, and he charged towards the end zone, and uh, I was I got nervous when I saw him lateral it, but uh, you know it was fine. On the other side of the two minute warning, Steelers ne- were needing eight points to force overtime. They only gained three yards. They were facing a fourth and seven from the New England fifteen. Stewart was known more for his legs than his arm, and he heaved a sideline prayer to Yancey Thigpen. And Yancey, one of my favorite Steelers, was having a great year. And what happened, Tony? Oh, I mean, it was uh, Cordell couldn't look, or Ben couldn't have thrown that pass any better, any any more on on target. And and Antonio Brown couldn't have made a better play, getting both feet in bounds and and. and and holding on to possession as he went out of bounds. It was a great play by Anthony Thigpen, uh, who had 
as you said, an all pro se- or at least a pro bowl season, 80 receptions for 1400 yards. It was, it was pivotal. Cause if they don't get that there, obviously the game's over. He made a brilliant grab. It was difficult. It was, it was spectacular. Um, he got both feet in to move the Steelers down to the four. On first down, Stewart took the ball to the one-yard line. Then he hits mighty Mark Bruner from Washington, the Washington Husky, number 87 for a one-yard touchdown. Steelers had to go for two here, Tony. And two would always make me nervous. Um, they never had the best uh, two-point percentage, but uh, what happened next? They hooked up again, that, that fantastic tandem of uh... – Slash to to Thigpen to to tie the game at twenty one. It was a tremendous sliding grab um, to rescue the ball from the Foxborough turf because it was not the best pass. But thirty eight seconds left. Um, then a Bruce Armstrong holding penalty back the Pats back to their own fifteen yard line. After that, there was not much time and way too much uh, real estate to do anything but kneel out the clock. So the Steelers late game fortune continued as they won, they won the coin flip here. So they're going into overtime and all I'm thinking is my gosh, I'm going to be late for this date, (laughs) but I don't care. Right. As excited as I was for this woman, I, I, uh, I had to watch the rest of this game. I, I eventually was not late, but I was cutting it close. Um, so it didn't really look to continue as a, a pass on first down to Bruner fell incomplete. Jerome Bettis lost five yards on second down, but then Cordell had more heroics on third and 15. And what happened? It was a, actually a brilliant play call uh, by Chan Gailey. It was a, a, a receiver screen to a, a Courtney Hawkins, who was a receiver, a free agent acquisition. They picked up, he, he replaced Andre Hastings. He yeah, was, came uh, f- leading into that game, and, and it, he took it. Hmm? He came from Tampa. I'm yeah, sorry, and, you cut out for a second there. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and he he took it. I, I want to say I'm trying to look at my notes here. Forty five yards. I want to say down to and, and down to to uh, deep into New England territory to set up the uh, to put the Steelers in, in great great shape early in overtime. Mark Bruner, the number one pick out of uh, 1995. Um, caught another pass. He did it again, a 16-yarder from the number two pick from 1995, who was Cordell Stewart. Um, Then we had three runs for nine yards from Jerome Bettis to get the Steelers to the Patriot 13. Norm Johnson, who was only with the Steelers for three years, but he was a fantastic free agent acquisition. Um, He kicked it true for 31 yards. Yeah. Yeah, Norm was a great – he was a great – replacement for Gary Anderson, who was a big, he was a big time player here and, and a fan favorite for a number of years. And when Norm came on, it, it was a seamless transition. And, and, and as you said, he, he uh, gave the Steelers the, uh, the big victory with it, with the kick in overtime. Absolutely. So uh, the Steelers escaped the slow, the snow glistening Massachusetts uh, night with a 24 to 21 victory. It was just absolutely I was elated. How were you feeling at that time? Were you alone watching the end of this game or were you still on the radio? I was at, I was in my, my living room with my uncle and my grandmother. And I think my brother, Joey was there. We, and we were all pretty excited because I mean, by that point, making the playoffs was, was pretty old hat. We knew they were going to make the playoffs, but 
we were we were hungry for a Super Bowl, and and we knew that that the better the seed, the better the chance. And and when they won that game, they essentially uh, wrapped up everything they needed to wrap up, or they could wrap up heading into the final week of the season. So it was it was it was it was pretty exciting, especially coming off again that that drubbing at the hands of them a year earlier in the playoffs. Yeah, the two teams would meet again uh, just a few weeks later in the playoffs. A 7-6 to six victory with the Steelers uh, beating the uh, Patriots. Like I said, two good defenses here. Um, Steelers won that game at home on a Saturday. Then eight days later, I was in Three Rivers Stadium watching Cordell Stewart throw three interceptions in Denver and beat them in the AFC championship game. The season was over, but you can really not take away what a beautiful victory that this was. Um, the Steelers really, in this game, we talked about Chumbawamba earlier. They adhere to the lyrics, I get knocked down, I get up again, and you're never going to keep me down. And that's what happened in this football game, Tony. I was so elated. I headed off to my date. Much like the Patriots haunting and hindering the Steelers for the majority of time after that fateful night, my post-game victory party really did because I ended up marrying that woman and divorcing <laughs> her seven years later. Then I ended up leaving uh, the state of West Virginia for good, and I ended up in Maryland. So um, it all ended well, though, because I'm remarried again. I eventually found a way to pull a chumbawamba myself, Tony. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and look at that. You, you, you have a great story to tell about it. And, uh, but that was, that was a great, great uh, little rivalry between those two teams uh it was a neat little time in Steeler history between with them and the Patriots because they they got their revenge as you said a couple weeks later in the playoffs and th this was pre-Tom Brady and pre-Belichick so you know there was a time when the Steelers could beat the Patriots <laughs> in a, a couple times in a in a short span and and in an important game too so that and was they, a fun time and I was gonna say they definitely will again but you're right it was a fun time Tony yeah, and it was it was and sadly it was kind of a end of an era, or at least it would be soon uh, after '97 because of the free agent defections and and Cordell, you know, his problems as a quarterback and the problems that the, the organization had, you know, trying to reload the roster after that great run of the '90s. But it was a it, it was it was a fun time and 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 I I I cherish those years the 1990s. I always will. When I brought up this game to you that this is the one I wanted to do from 97, what were your thoughts? Because there were a few great ones that we could have picked from. Oh, I thought it was I, – I, I loved it. I, I, I love this, this, uh, uh, this, this time in Steeler history. It was – you didn't know it at the time because you, you, you tend to take things for granted. But, but you know, it was uh, the last two were for them. But it, it, it just it, – it, it was just so much fun to see them continue to win year after year after year after year and, and – and, through the 1997 season and, and and at the time you were hoping it would, it would continue there, there was great hope for Cordell and 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 for the, the playoff run to continue so that's it seemed like a coming of age for him as a quarterback but it still it, it didn't work out that way but it was, it was a lot of fun well I will always remember this game fondly and Tony thanks for going back in time with me on this it was definitely really fun oh absolutely I I, I love these uh these shows and I, I can't wait to See what we talk about next week. All right. Remember, check out BTSC for all your Pittsburgh Steeler needs as we are less than two weeks away from the Steelers opening the season against the Giants on the road. So we're really excited for that coming up. So check out sometime tonight 
another Steelers training camp update with Jeff Hartman. Then later on tonight, you're going to hear Dave Schofield, Rich Schofield, you know him as Big Bro Sco, and the Sco Bro Show. And check us back here tomorrow for another episode of Let's Ride and all of the fun and BTSC hoopla of podcasts will continue going from there. But for Tony Defio, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. And to quote the great Hugh Anthony Craig III, you know him as Huey Lewis and the news. I got to get back in time. And that's what we did today. Thank you so much, my friends. We'll see you next time. See you, Tony. See you, Brian.